Bonnie Jill Laughlin now back on the Weekly Pass with my co-host Adam Copeland. Now, Adam, I'm excited to talk to you. This is a legend, living legend. Gary Kramer, 11-year career in the NFL, two-time Super Bowl champion, five-time NFL champion, three-time Pro Bowler, and 2018 inductee in the Pro Football Hall of Fame class. Jerry, thanks for joining us. Hey, nice to be with you. It's my pleasure. Now, I got to get right into this. I mean, when I speak of legends, you think of Lombardi, you think of Bart Starr, yourself. I mean, it was crazy to look that not only were you an offensive guard, but you're also a place kicker. I mean, that doesn't happen nowadays. <laughs> no. <laughs> at, the, at the time, there were only 33 players. Oh, that's so funny. Team. That was my next question, not 53. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Big difference. Okay, yeah. And then I went to 35, but the players all tried to have a second position, which would make them more valuable. If you're an offensive tackle and you, could, and you could play defensive tackle, it made you a little more valuable than the fellow that couldn't. So I was trying to be valuable and contribute any way I could, and I was a kicker in college, so I was a backup kicker. And, uh, you know, I was not uh, very... Um, uh, limber and uh, <laughs> didn't put my foot over my head very far, <laughs> but I was able to get it through the uprights and uh, make myself a little more valuable. How many kick? How many games did you kick, and when did you stop kicking? Or was it throughout your whole career? I uh, I scored 177 points in my career and kicked in four or five different seasons. I guess uh, my big day was three holes in Yankee Stadium and. the 62 championship we win 17 to 7 uh, I kick a field goal two and a half minutes left to go um, we go ahead by two scores the game is sealed and the team goes wacko and pats me on the back and carries me and goes nuts and the riders give me the game ball or the players gave me the game ball and the riders gave Nitsky the game Corvette <laughs> so that's the way the offensive linemen are normally treated. Yeah, they still kind of treat offensive linemen and kickers uh-huh. that way, right? You, you get the game ball, but we're going to give the uh, the Corvette and the trip to Disney World <laughs> to the uh, to the quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That guy couldn't be that valuable. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, so, so talk about the offensive line back then. I mean, now we see games and – Every offensive lineman today will tell you, you know, the game is won and lost in the trenches. And back when you played, of course, the running game, still a major part of football. You're talking kicking game a little bit, but it was all about getting a push up front, especially you playing in the ice bowl, a lot of cold weather cities uh, back then, playing in Minnesota outdoors. Talk about the offensive line and sort of what the schematics were, what the game plans were. How important was O-line back when you played? Well, we did run the ball. Uh, we you know, we would pass 17, 18, 19 times and run the ball 35 or 40 times. So it was a much bigger part of the game. And the, the, the communication on the offensive line on who's blocking who and depending upon the defense and the middle linebacker and the outside backers and where they're coming and going and trying to do things. And we just had a veteran football team. We'd been around a long time. And Forrest Gregg was on my right. And uh, when we would uh, see a situation that wasn't normal, I'd go, Forrest? And he'd go, yep. And uh, he'd say, Jerry? I said, got him. (laughs) And we communicated extremely well, and we made very few mistakes. Um, There was a great energy. uh, Coach Lombardi provided the energy 
and there was a great energy on the field to uh, to excel and to win. And so we we had our mind right, our attitude right, and we did uh, everything we could possibly do to win the game. And that's what Green Bay is going to have to do this this week. They're going to have to play the perfect game and have an energy, a burn, a hunger, a fire, or something which they have, which I hadn't seen until recently. But they're they're together. They're talking to each other. They're doing great things, and they're starting to become a team, not just a collection of football players. It's funny that you mentioned the communication on the offensive line because I think in today's game, that's still something between the quarterback, the running back, the receivers, the tight ends, everybody on the O-line. That's a crucial part of the game, especially now when you play in stadiums like uh, Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City or you're playing up in Seattle. It's so noisy and loud. These guys have got to be on the same page with each other. Was there a stadium or a situation that you guys played in where really the crowd noise affected what happened on the field like that? Yeah, you know, everything was loud. Uh, you had to just develop a, a hearing in, uh, internally or a, a system of hand signals or whatever. And I, I was tickled to death. To I was watching a Devontae Adams interview mm-hmm. recently, and he he is such a sensational receiver. He's got such great hands. But he also is smart enough to communicate with Aaron Rodgers by, with a, a, a slight signal. He was talking about a situation where – he wanted to change the pattern, and uh, Aaron wanted him to change the pattern at exactly the same time. And Aaron lifted up a hand and pointed in a different direction. And Devontae said, I had already planted my foot to make that turn and to make the different direction to change the pattern. So they're starting to communicate extremely well, and that 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 bodes well for the team and for the scoring. It's just that communication inside the inside the huddle and on the field during the play. It's uh it's it's critical, I guess, and it, especially in a game where you're at, you need every ounce of energy and you need every break and you need everything you you have to come out with a win. And this is this is going to be quite a challenge this game. Now, a noteworthy play that you guys use a lot was called, you know, the. I guess the Green Bay sweep, sometimes they call the Packers sweep, where you guys use Paul Horning a lot. And break that down, that play, and how you guys use it, why it was so successful. Well, <laughs> we ran it ad nauseum, ad infinitum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we would run sprints, and, and we would run sweeps instead of sprints. So when we lined up to run a sprint after practice, we'd run sweeps. And uh, the first year, there's several variations that are possible in the blocking system. Mm-hmm. And there are calls that we make and things that we do, and uh, it it is pretty complex. So we would run the sweep, and we'd mess it up, and Coach Lombardi would say, run it again, run it again. <laughs> and we would run it again and again. And then after the first year, when we would mess up the play, we would say, Run it again, <laughs> run it again. Before before he got a chance to jump on us, we'd say it ourselves. So there were several blocks in that play that had to be made before the, you could get around the corner. And the center started uh, the situation. He could either block the onside tackle or the middle linebacker, depending upon their position. If the middle linebacker was back a bit and the defensive tackles were in, then he would block the defensive tackle. 
and he would tell the offensive tackle to get the middle linebacker. So that communication was critical. The onside back, Corning a lot of times, had to block the defensive end. So the tackle had to kind of hit the defensive end, engage him for a second, but not enough so he couldn't get to the middle linebacker. But enough so that the onside back could cut the defensive end down. Uh, And the offside tackle, who was following the play, had to cut off the other uh, tackle on on his side. So a lot of that had to happen before Fuzzy and I got around the corner. Now, when we got out on the corner, the middle, the outside linebacker was being blocked by the tight end, and the tight end's uh, responsibility was to take him whichever way he wanted to go. So he waited till the guy wanted, made a commit, and then he stayed with him, and he blocked him in that direction. And I either went inside or outside that block. Now, I would go for the cornerback normally on, on my side, sweep my way. And the cornerback could either come up and try to meet me. Now, he weighs 180, 190. I weigh 250. And it, and I'm running full speed, so it's not a real good idea for him to take me on <laughs> one-to-one, <laughs> head on head. But if he wanted to, then I would give him my best lick right on top of his helmet and uh, try to munch him. But normally he would try to back up and fend me off, and I would just try to run through him and then turn inside to get another block or another player. So the play, uh, again, we ran it and ran it and ran it, but it averaged 8.3 yards per carry for the first three years we ran the play. So it was a and, – and we ran it for the nine years Coach Lombardi was in Green Bay. In fact, our whole offense was precisely the same offense from the first year to the ninth year. So, but we did perfect it. We did run things, and we made very few mistakes. And uh, it, it was we just, you know, we lined up and said, "Okay, stop us." Coach Lombardi was very emotional, and he made us emotional. And he did it either by patting you on the back or chewing you on the lower back. <laughs> <laughs> chewing your A is what they'd say, right, Jerry? Yeah. Chew you yeah. out. So funny. He'd say, "Get out yeah. there and lay a block on that DB, and now go knock that extra point through." Right? Get back out there. You're not <laughs> right. done. You're not done playing. You know. <laughs> well, he uh, he really got to me one day. We're having a scrimmage in August, hundred degrees, hundred percent humidity in Green Bay. Defense is years ahead of us. They're giggling. They're stuffing us and having a wonderful time. I get my tail chewed for coming offside. And then I miss a block, and Coach runs across the field, gets nose-to-nose with me, and he said, Mr. The concentration period of a college student, five minutes, high school is three minutes, kindergarten is 30 seconds, and you don't have that, so where should I put you? <laughs> well, well, that's put me, good stuff. Put me, put me, put me checking my shoe shine, right? Yeah. And uh, it was a nasty day anyway, and we were getting embarrassed by the defense, and life was horrible. And I, 10 minutes later, I, the scrimmage ends, and I go up to the locker room and chuck my helmet off, my shoulder pads, and I'm uh, checking the pattern of the carpet. 
and I checked it for about 40 minutes, wondering what I was going to do with my life and where I was going to go and what I was going to do next. And I was never going to be able to play for this guy. I was never going to be able to play here. So time to go. Maybe it's time to do something else. Maybe it's time to get out of football. This is about my third year. And uh, so I'm deep in thought and really down. And he comes in the door. He'd been out working with Bart and wide receivers on pass patterns. And he sees me down at the opposite end of the locker room. And he comes down and he pats me on the back of the neck and messes up my hair. And Son, one of these days you're going to be the best guard in football. And it, it just was an incredible moment for me. It was his belief in me, his approval of me. Uh, he, I believed him to be an honest man and not to deal in casual language. And so it just gave me a burn. It gave me a fire in my belly and uh, just uh, changed my whole attitude dramatically. I was going through the pattern, trying to go through practice and get through practice. And all of a sudden I wanted to practice and I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to do everything right. And so that 30 second conversation, 20 second conversation changed my life. And I've tried approval and belief on my children. And uh, it is a incredible motivating factor for someone to come up to you in your position, Adam. It just pat you on the back, say, hey, that was a great show. Good job. Way to go. It is, makes you want more. It makes you want to do better. It makes you want to be perfect. So that was a that was a huge part of our game was his his coach Lombardi's approval and the incentive we had to play for him, the emotional response to his coaching. It's it's funny because it seems to me the best coaches are the guys who can manage. They get the most out of their players, right? The guys who get the players to play for them. But it's also about uh, how you get the most out of your coach, right? The coach knows he adapts to his players and his players adapt to him. I think just sort of loosely we're seeing the same kind of thing in Tennessee right now. We're seeing the Titans really rally behind Mike Vrabel and buy in to his system. And I think that's why they've been able to go on this run. Would you agree with that sort of mindset of a, of a player versus a coach? I think that's one of the most critical parts of the equation. Uh, anger makes you strong. Fear makes you weak. Now, you don't have to be angry to get emotional and to get your heart pumping and, and try to be the best you can possibly be. But it helps for an offensive lineman. Maybe a running back or a wide receiver has to be cool and doesn't want to get angry and doesn't want to get emotional. But in that offensive line and defensive line and linebackers, the emotion makes a difference. It's a 3, 5, 7, 10% difference. I'm not sure what it is, but it is a difference. It makes you a better football player and it makes you a better teammate. So I think that emotion is a critical. One thing you have some control over. You can't control a player's speed. You can't control their strength. You can't control their IQ, but you can control their heart and their emotion. And I think that makes the difference. And it certainly did for the Green Bay Packers. Such good stuff, Jerry. Now, you have the best of offensive block in NFL history during that ice bowl, the big block for Bart Starr, get, you know, the quarterback sneak into the end zone. Walk us through that moment and did anything that Coach Lombardi said when you came off the field? Well, the uh, play was called on Thursday. We were watching short yardage films on Thursday, and we took the last three weeks of Dallas's films 
and cut the short yardage plays out and watch nothing but short yardage plays. And I noticed in the first film that Jethro Pugh came up. Bob Lilly on the other side, the other tackle, had his nose about eight or ten inches from the turf and came forward and low. If he did anything, he went lower. Jethro came up. Jethro was 6'7", 275, something like that, but he was a big kid. And he came up in the first game, and I marked that and made note of it. And in the second game, he's up high. In the third game, third film, he's still high. And so when I'd seen all three films, I said, Coach, we can wedge two if we have to. What? <laughs> Barks at me, right? And, uh, we can wedge two if we have to. I come back at him, and he run that back. So he runs the play back, and he goes, that's right, put in a wedge on Pew. So <clears throat> you didn't like to bother him. You didn't like to intrude on his thought process or any of that, but I felt like I had to let him know <clears throat> that that play was available if he wanted it. So they put it in the short yardage plays. And the second half of the ice bowl was really an ice bowl. It froze solid at, by halftime. Uh, you, we were skating the second half. We didn't have very much luck as an offensive team. I think we had gained a minus nine yards in the 30-some plays. So all of a sudden, uh, we get the ball with about four and a half minutes to go, and uh, I'm looking at Bart when he comes in the huddle, wondering what he's going to say, if he's going to you know, give us a little speech or say something. He looks us all in the eye, and he goes, all right, let's go. And uh, we got up to the line of scrimmage, and everybody got pumped, and everybody was, you know, in, involved and committed and improved their performance. And so we go down the field 70 yards, and we get to the one-yard line, and Bart calls the uh, play to Donnie Anderson or to Chuck Mercine, I think it was Chuck. And Chuck couldn't get his footing. He couldn't get a start with the ice. And uh, Bart asked me if I could get my footing. And I guess I, yeah, I think so. I'm okay. Uh, grew up in the ice and grew up in the snow of northern Idaho. So uh, he called a play, and my left foot found a divot, much like a golf divot. Mm -hmm. And I kind of settled my foot down into it. And I normally would push off my right foot, but this was like a starting block. So I came off the ball as well as I could possibly come off the ball. Jethro came up. I put my head in his chest and moved him into the end zone, and the rest was history. But it was a, a scouting. It was a mistake by Jethro. I mean, it was a mistake that the coaching staff did not catch, and they made two or three mistakes in that football game that we took advantage of, and that was the difference in the game. And uh, afterwards, of course, Coach Lombardi, uh, I was watching the uh, film with Tommy Brookshire, who was doing the color, and uh, Tommy's Philadelphia Eagle D-back. But uh, they isolated the play, and Tommy says, Jerry gets this block on this, and Coach goes, yeah, we're going, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> that was worth a million bucks. Oh, uh, yeah, you. I bet. Now, Jerry, I got to ask you about that game because it is, it's called the Ice Bowl for a reason. I looked at the temperature. I could not believe, Copes, it was 
negative 15 at Lambeau <laughs> with a wind chill of negative 48. And I was out. reading, Jerry, that some of the players, you guys couldn't start your cars. You had to get alternate clothes. And the, the ref's whistle, they couldn't even use it because it was freezing to their lips. I mean, but there were still 50,000 fans there in the stands. I mean, how cold was it, Jerry? You know, it, it actually, the chill factor was like minus 59. The um, the oldest game ever was in Cincinnati a couple years later, which was minus sixty one. But uh, that would take your breath away. You know, it would. I grew up in that outdoor atmosphere. I skied. I I ice fished. I snowmobiled. I did everything all winter long. So I'm aware and comfortable with the cold. So I put on a a dicky. I put in thermal underwear to cover down to my knees and to my elbows. And then I put a dickie around my neck to cover my neck and my chest. I put on brown cotton gloves and then I'm ready to go. And I know I'm going to be out there a short period of time. We're back and forth. And so I was, I was ready to play, but there was frostbite on the fingers of several of the guys. Uh, Nitschke had uh, about dime sized blisters come up on his fingertips uh, there was lung congestion. There was a variety of problems from the cold. And there were 250 people uh, who were treated at Bellin Hospital uh, after the game. So it was vicious, bitter cold. And, uh, of course, we had the, the greatest heater of all time. Uh, Coach Vincent Thomas Lombardi. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I feel like that's not the first time you've used that line, Jerry. <laughs> That's the first time. Oh, okay. Well, that was fantastic. Put that one in the uh, in the notebook and use that one again. Uh, we we can't let you go without. Uh, we're up here in San Francisco. We're in the Bay Area. We can't let you go without a thought on the game this weekend. Uh, you mentioned the Packers and Devontae Adams and Rodgers and the communication. Aaron Jones has done such a phenomenal job uh, at running back for them this year. What do they have to do to get a win against this vaunted Niner defense? Play their best. They have to, everybody has to be aware. Everybody has to be committed. Everybody has to be dedicated, mind, body, heart, and soul, most of all self. I'm in this game. This is incredibly important to me. Uh, execute. You, you, you've got to maintain your blocks. That front four from San Francisco is, reminds me of the fearsome foursome, mm-hmm. the, great, the great Los Angeles Ram defensive line. And this is a this is a tough football team for an offense to play. There's four guys up there, not just one or two, but all four of them are really exceptional ball players. So it's going to take the best effort, and it's going to take a supreme effort for you to maintain your block, to stay in front of the guy, and not let him get to your quarterback. And the offensive line has got a big day ahead of them. If it's going to win that game, the offensive line has got to play well to start with. Uh, the, the Smith boys on defense are doing a wonderful job. Devontae is, uh, one, you know, what a sensational receiver he turned into be, turned out to be. But I, I was watching an interview a couple of days ago when he was talking about Jordy uh, Nelson, how he went to Jordy and asked him how he ran certain patterns and how he did this. And, and Jordy said, well, you know, it's kind of instinctive. You just you see this, and so you do that. You see that, so you do this. But he, he was smart. Devante was smart enough to ask him and to say, look, I want to be better. I want to be the best. I want to be like you. How do I do it? What do I do? Where do I go? How do I, how do I compete? 
So that attitude will take you a long way. And it, it goes on the field, and it makes you want to be the best on the field. And so if everybody is in that mode, and I think they are, they're, they're, they're a wonderful bunch of young players with a, a great old general. Um, Aaron is just, uh, to me, he's never been better. So I think he's just right, right just in exactly where he needs to be and you play, and you take care of Aaron, and you take care of your assignment, and make this the best game you have ever played, and you'll come out all right. Jared, do you have a prediction before we let you go? I mean, you think it'll be a close game? You know, it can be. I don't know that last game, 38-7 to 7 or 30, mm-hmm. something like that. That was, you know, the Niners just got to run away with it and run away with uh, – stopping Aaron and tackling Aaron and sacking Aaron, and they just had their way with the offensive line. So uh, I think this game certainly is going to be closer than that, and I think it'll probably come down to a score in the, late in the ball game, hopefully, and uh, I got my fingers crossed, and I've got my Packer Jacker jacket out and my shoes and my helmet and my ring and all my <laughs> Oh, pack. I love it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Jared. It's just an honor to speak to you. It's it really great, is. Man, yeah. I mean, these stories are just, you know, I love it. I mean, I've been watching you for so long, and being able to talk to you, it really is an honor. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it. Now, Copes, come on. Like, when I think of, like, football, I mean, the Lombardi Trophy is named that for a reason. So you're speaking to a guy who was, you know, the best offensive guard to ever do it and to playing with Bart Starr and Lombardi, and you hear these, and you see these, like, inspirational quotes, you know, that you always see, right, and these, like, memes and like different John, things. It's like John Wooden type stuff. Yeah, like- and then now you hear him telling us some of these quotes and what he was speaking to him about when he came out the – field and I don't know it's really surreal it's really neat talking you and I both like look, blast yeah. in the past you we know we both looked at each other and kind of went wow when yeah. he's talking about the Lombardi story and it's funny like the Lombardi coaching base like you're talking about inspiring and he said something great and I, and I read a quote from his uh when he gave his hall of fame speech mm-hmm. and he said if you if you can you will yes I have or if you want it yeah, you will it or something mm-hmm. like that uh and and it he gave a great line about the you, you can't um you can't change a guy's speed, you can't change a guy's IQ, you can't change a guy's strength, but you can change his heart. And it sounded to me like Lombardi made a real impact. He talked about how it affected him in raising his kids, how he went mm-hmm. about almost parenting because of what Lombardi did. I had a high school baseball coach. He used to say, you guys are here on Lombardi time. If practice starts at 3 o'clock, you guys are here at 2.40. Right. That meant 15 to 20 minutes before practice, Lombardi time. So uh, it, it is really cool to get to share those thoughts with a guy who, one, played for Lombardi, and two, has such a great knack for the game today. His memory, oh my God, is, his memory is insane. And he's yeah. following the game now. Did you see how he was talking about He's rattling this? off off, offensive oh linemen gosh, and defensive schematics. He's and, really sharp still. Yeah, he's real sharp. But that was, that was one of the cooler, more in-depth. Like, I really wanted to ask a question about Lombardi. And then he and told then us he a story talking, on his own, yeah. and we didn't have to. We just kind of let it go, and that was that was one of the better ones we've had. I mean, we like doing these interviews, but when these guys come with this kind of enthusiasm and energy for what it is that they love, that's why we like doing. We could have gone an hour with him. Oh, I mean, there's easy. so much to talk. I think easy. one of my favorite part of the interview was when he talked about him struggling in his third season in the NFL, and Lombardi came in and said, "You're going to be one of the best guards to ever do it." From Vince Lombardi, it. It and he right. said, "He said it was like what do you say? It was like five minutes or whatever it was." 30, he said it was a thirty-second conversation. Okay, 30 he second. said it changed his life. And it changed his entire life. It's incredible. I mean, that's that's what that's what kind of Coach Lombardi was, right? Now I do have a dispute with him a little bit. What? 
I got the Niners pretty easily yeah. this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you got an old-time you Packer wear. He him. said he's wearing the helmet and the jacket and the ring. You know, so I sit there with a like, Bart Starr single bar across <laughs> the single front of his, bar, front of his face. Thinking. Yeah, right. And loving the fact that he was a place kicker and a guard. And, yeah, we know a lot of those guys were two-way players, but it made them more valuable, and they were getting peanuts back then. And you can still feel the fire and passion that he has for the game, and I just absolutely love that. Sounds to me like the, the Packers have kept him pretty close, too. He sounded like yeah. he knew a, a lot about a relationship mm-hmm. with Jordy Nelson and, and Devontae Adams. Sounds like he's a guy who, who they kept close and that's what we love about the Niners too they keep these veteran guys who have won Super Bowls around so that the young players can sort of feed off of them and Bart Starr and 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 uh, uh Jerry Kramer here winning the first ever Super Bowl I mean that falls right in line with that mentality oh yeah absolutely it's all about the gridiron the old gridiron the old guys it's I, so I feel different. like that's all about that history and now a couple of great ones. We had Carl yeah. Eller last week. Yeah. And now I love Jerry it. I love week. it. I know you do, too, because you're kind of an old soul. I'm I a love nerd about it. Yeah, I geek yeah. out about stuff, yeah. So more to come. We'll have more of these kind of guys coming on the weekly pass until uh, next week after we'll be the NFC Championship game. We'll see who's going to the bowl. I'm Bonnie Jill Laughlin. I'm Adam Copeland. See ya.